This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The summer months are upon us here. It is almost closing in on late June and early July. But here at Saturday Sunday, we continue to look back at the 2021 NFL Draft, covering it from every single angle for your upcoming, if you haven't had them yet, your rookie drafts, for your dynasty leagues. And there's still so much to break down. Uh, We will still be covering all things 2021 NFL Draft for a few more weeks, a whole bunch of episodes with guests uh, planned right through probably the first or second week of July before uh, you know we kind of go into our summer programming, which usually consists of some Dynasty Stock Report shows. Uh, you know, and then uh, eventually by August we kind of turn the page. Uh, after a month of July and early August of really grinding film, we kind of turned the page to the next year's draft class. But there's still a lot to kind of talk about of the 2021 class. You know, a lot of people have their rookie drafts soon after the NFL draft in early May or mid-May. But there are other many other people who have it throughout the months of June, July, and even right into the month of August as they prepare for their upcoming season. So in the last episode, I talked about UDFA rookies that could make a roster and potentially have some fancy viability down the line. What I want to do today, we've spent so much time on the rookie mock draft episode, on the dynasty rookie rankings episode, even on the team-by-team recaps, I feel like we focus a lot of our attention and a lot of our time on the early round picks. So what I want to do today, especially from a fantasy perspective, is take a look at guys, whether you want to classify them as sleepers. I don't really think they're sleepers anymore. I feel like there's such amazing coverage out there in so many different places that nobody's really a sleeper anymore. But if you want to think of them as sleepers, sure. You want to think of them as undervalued, that maybe they're not being valued as much as they should be, even though they are, you know, day three type players. So it's really looking at guys who I think are going a little bit too low in rookie drafts who are being undervalued a little bit, or just straight out guys that people are sleeping on, to be honest with you. And there's a handful that I want to kind of talk through tonight. Uh, what you will hear me miss skip over is quarterback. I do not really think there's any quarterbacks that really belong in this conversation. You know, we've talked enough about guys like Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask and Davis Mills. I don't really think any of them are being undervalued or being slept on. The only one that even intrigues me from that group really for fantasy would be Kellen Mond, but I don't think he's really being undervalued. I think in Superflex or two quarterback leagues, he's being valued appropriately. I think people are finding time, uh, the right spot to take a stab on him, even in one quarterback leagues, if you have really deep rosters and taxi squads. So I don't really think there's any quarterback that people are really, that went day three or even in in late round three that people are sleeping on. So I don't really think there's any quarterbacks that fit the bill here. But if I take this at a running back position, I, I think there's a couple guys here that aren't being talked about 
enough. And the first guy I want to talk about is Khalil Herbert, who was drafted by the Bears. Now, right now, it is a very crowded depth chart there in Chicago. You have Tariq Cohen. They signed Damian Williams. And then, obviously, David Montgomery is the guy from the leader in the clubhouse. We saw him be selected in the day two, two NFL drafts ago. His rookie year was was pretty suspect last year in a really strong finish to the year, really carried some fantasy teams. But the thing about Khalil Herbert is there, he had a lot of fans in the industry. I know Matt Waldman was very high on him. If I, if, if memory serves me correctly, I think Dane Brugler, Dane Brugler was a fan of him as well. And I liked him too. I thought he had like, you know, I thought he was a guy who, who if he went around early round four or whatever, I thought that would have been, you know, appropriate value for him. And I, I like the landing spot for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not a huge believer in David Montgomery long-term. I think he's a functional serviceable back. I think he showed more last year in that regard. But where the bears got Herbert in the sixth round, they don't, he doesn't have much draft capital, but I think if you're talking about really deep leagues you're talking about taxi squads. I like a little Herbert of those day three running backs, probably more than anybody, because I do think that Montgomery is one of those players that he's really going to be up and down. Like, I don't know if like, his breakout towards the second half of last year is very repeatable. I think everything kind of broke right. The depth chart was wide open, but I think Herbert has an opportunity there. I think Damian Williams, you know, is a one-year stopgap. See, see where he is after taking off a year uh, due to COVID. Uh, Tariq Cohen coming back from a major injury. So, Khalil Herbert, I think, has a legitimate chance to make the roster as the fourth guy there. So, I think that intrigues me right away as a date free pick. And I don't know if Cohen and Damian Williams are are locked in for the long term. I mean, who knows if, even if Damian Williams makes the roster this year and, and to what capacity and what he looks like. So Khalil Herbert is one of those guys that if he would have went in the fourth round, I don't think it would have been all that much of a surprise, to be honest with you. I thought he had a legitimate chance to go early day three. I mean, at 5'8", 210, I really like his frame. He runs with good play strength, contact balance. He shows power and finishing ability, above average to to good athleticism. He's got some long speed to his game, some short area bursts, some natural instincts. There's a lot to like about his game. He's got to show a little bit more in terms of his receiving ability and pass protection. He doesn't show a lot of elusiveness or agility in the open field. But if you put him in that, in that system – with Justin Fields, you know, the future quarterback there, it just he just intrigues me a little bit there with, you know, Cohen and, and Damian Williams. Who knows? Obviously, Montgomery's there for at least this year and one more year. But we see teams and running backs, right? Like the Bears might, you know, two years down the line be sitting here saying, yeah, we don't want to give David Montgomery a second contract. And, you know, if Cole Herbert shows anything, maybe he works his way into the mix. These are all long shots. Like these are all long shots. Just like last episode with the UDFA with super long shots, these guys are just guys that I think are being a little bit undervalued because I think there's a better opportunity to maybe make a move on that depth chart if you really take a closer look to it. So Khalil Herbert's the first guy I want to talk about. The second guy I want to talk about is Larry Roundtree. So Larry Roundtree was another guy who I thought could go early day three. He goes a little bit later in day three 
but I like the landing spot of where he ends up. I think that's something that intrigues me a little bit. Yes, another sixth-round pick, like Khalil Herbert, but the Chargers' depth chart really after Austin Eckler I think is very shaky, right? You have Justin Jackson, you know, who's been there a couple years now, you know, and then last year they make another investment, you know, in another running back there. But at the same time, there seems to be a lot of uncertainty after Austin Eckler. So you look at a guy like Larry Roundtree, and he's a very no-nonsense. There's not a lot of very good or great traits, but he's pretty solid across the board. He that's what's there for him. He's got good play strength. He's got, you know, good size and frame. So there's a lot to like about a guy like Larry Roundtree. Some people like him even, even more than me. I like the size and frame. Yeah, he's only got average athleticism and long speed, but I think he's got some short area bursts. I like the contact balance, the power, the physicality, the toughness. He's a very prototype inside runner. So when you're talking about the Chargers, they have Austin Eckler, who's clearly the the best on their team in terms of playing in space. That's his bread and butter, the passing game and stuff like that. Last year, Joshua Kelly drafted. The year before that, Justin Jackson. I like those players. I like both of those guys. But even those two guys, none of those guys profile as a tough, physical, in-between-the-tackles runner. I thought Joshua Kelly was better on the perimeter. I thought he was better in the pass game. Justin Jackson, same thing. So Larry Roundtree might get an opportunity at some point to push his way into the mix there. Chargers have an improved offensive line, an up-and-coming quarterback. If they really start taking off and there's a lot of goal-to-goal rushing attempts, I think Roundtree's got a shot within the next year or two to maybe work his way into some playing time there if they want to preserve Austin Eckler a little bit more and not have him running so much short yardage and goal line stuff. And I think Jackson and Joshua Kelly, I think Roundtree is right in the mix with them. It it wouldn't be shocking or stunning to see Roundtree outperform those guys and get a bigger opportunity than those guys, you know, maybe not in his rookie year, but maybe – at the end of his rookie year or maybe by year two. So Larry Roundtree is somebody that intrigues me as well. Another running back I want to talk about is Chris Evans. Out of Michigan, 5'11", 2'11". He goes to the Bengals. Now, the Bengals depth chart after Joe Mixon is wide open. Guys like Samaji Ryan. Chris Evans was a once upon a time, a big, big time high school recruit. People thought he was going to be a star at Michigan that never materialized. But he's one of those guys that I think a lot of people penciled in as a better pro career than collegiate career because at 5'11", 211, he's got good size and frame. He's got above average to good athleticism. He's got burst. He's got acceleration. He's got some lateral quickness, long speed. He's got play strength, contact balance, and he's got above average to good receiving skills. So there's a lot to like about his game. The concerning parts are lack of production, you know, some ball security issues, some pass protection issues, and just natural running instincts. But as I mentioned, it's Joe Mixon and then it's wide open that I almost think if you're a Joe Mixon owner, 
I almost think you got to invest in in Chris Evans late in your rookie draft and get him on your roster as long as you have the roster space for it. Because if something was to happen to Joe Mixon, I think Chris Evans would potentially get a chance to be thrust in a, a significant role sooner rather than later. I think his skill set and his talent is, is probably better than anybody they have after Joe Mixon. So if something was to happen to Mixon, I think Evans would get a chance. So I think he's an interesting guy that is not being talked about very much. And I think if you're a Joe Mixon owner, he should really be on your radar because there's an opportunity for him to work his way to be the backup there. And then potentially, who knows down the line. So, you know, those are those are three guys at the running back position that I think are being slept on a little bit. And I, I could see a scenario where based on the depth chart that they're in, them potentially getting an opportunity at some point. So I think they're great late round rookie picks, put them on your taxi squad and, and kind of give it a chance to kind of wait itself out. If I was going to go one more name at the running back, I think you can go Demetric Felton, depending on if people have him as a running back or receiver and the reason why I say this is twofold. I don't know how long financially and just, you know, in terms of making everybody happy, I don't know how long Cleveland is going to be able to do the Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt situation. Like, is that something that he's going to be able to continue to do for the long, you know, for the Browns, for, for the good bulk of their career? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm just not when push comes to shove because Kareem Hunt's going to want to get an opportunity at some point. Like, he's still a young enough player, and Nick Chubb is obviously a bell cow, one of the best running backs in football. So, Demetric Felton was a guy who I really thought had a legitimate round on four. I think the senior bowl actually did him a little bit of disservice not having him do both running back drills and receiver drills. He just focused on being a receiver there, and I get it. And it was good to show that versatility, but I think, to me, he profiled very much like a Naheem Hines. I thought he should have been more a running back who can line up in the slot from time to time, but really be looked at as a mismatch out of the backfield third downs, obvious passing plays, and, and and that ideal space player, pass catching, committee, third down type running back. So for me, while he, he intrigues me a little bit because if Kareem Hunt was to ever move on, he compliments Nick Chubb very well in terms of what, he, what he's best at, pass catching, in space, and he, he fits really well that maybe they don't need to invest much in a backup running back and maybe Felton could be the backup running back and really serve a different role. And then they have some you know guys further down the depth chart, but Felton could really compliment Nick Chubb well. So if Kareem Hunt was to ever be traded or they just cut ties with him at some point and they decide just to move forward with Nick Chubb, I think Demetrius Felton is a pretty interesting name that we kind of should have on our radar. If we keep this going and take this to the pass catchers, I want to start at the tight end position because I think there's some interesting names here. The first one I want to talk about is Kyle Granson. Kyle Granson was drafted by the Colts. I believe it was round four. And he's a guy that I was really intrigued with. Like pre-draft, 
he was a guy that I had as my seven tight end. And I thought he was a guy that could really profile as that move tight end type player. And I think that's exactly what he could be there. We've seen Frank Reich utilize his tight ends. He had some moments where he'd he take advantage of Trey Burden's skill set. He's had Mo Ali Cox games. He's had Jack Doyle games. I think Kyle Granson brings a very different dynamic to the tight end room there. And I think Frank Wright might be the right quarterback. He could really get it out of him. You know, yeah, he's only six foot one, 241 pounds. So he's not even remotely the prototype of tight end. But he's got good to very good athleticism at that size. He's got movement skills, separation quickness, yak ability. He's got body control, hands and ball skills. Shows the ability to adjust the passes. He's versatile. You can use him in motion, detached, as a slot wide receiver, or even occasionally on like some jet sweeps or end arounds. That's the type of athleticism we're talking about. You know, with this kid, Kyle Granson, he's not going to hold up at the point of attack. Well, you know, level of competition coming from SMU is obviously a little bit of a concern. You can't ask him to block. The frame's an issue. But just as a straight pass catching move tight end, I am very intrigued by Kylan Granson. He'd be a guy that I'd really want to try to get on any of my teams that have deep rosters and taxi squads because I want to see the plan for Kyle Granson because I think they could have a really good plan. I like the fit with, uh, you know, in Indianapolis there. So it's an interesting spot, interesting player. I'm going to have him in a bunch of places wherever I can get my hands on him. Second guy I want to talk about, who's, who I think is a little bit of a sleeper, undervalued tight end position, is Jacob Harris at UCF, the wide receiver to tight end convert he is now on mfl classified as a wide receiver and a tight end and some other sites as well listen they moved on from gerald everett he he left they have tyler higby there but if they're looking for another guy to be like a more prototype in terms of a pass catching role who's to say that can't be jacob harris right we know robert woods and cooper cup there they drafted two two out well very different type of players I think they could see a role for Jacob Harris where they think he can develop into a very good pass-catching tight end. This is a guy who had you know, great athleticism at UCF on film, movement skills. He had speed. There were ball skills and body control. He showed the ability to high point the football, uh, create mismatches all over the field, could attack the seam, yak ability. I mean, yeah, he's a raw player in terms of a pass-catcher. He played wide receiver in college. He's got a transition to be a pass catching tight end he's got route refinement he's got to expand that route tree but in terms of ball skills and athleticism he is a really intriguing player that i just think a lot of people are kind of forgetting about because maybe he wasn't listed as a tight end right away maybe he's a wide receiver tight end hybrid but i think people are sleeping on jacob on Jacob Harris. And if he gets an opportunity to be a full fledged tight end, I think you could really see him take off and be intriguing there down the line. If at some point they move on from Tyler Higby, Jacob Harris is a guy who could have a role on that football team. So he intrigues me. And then one other guy who I kind of break my own rule where I didn't really want to talk about guys who were taking the first three rounds. And I want to talk about Trey McKitty who snuck into the, the, the back end of the third round. He goes to the chargers, the Chargers depth chart very much, you know, up for the taking there. You know, they have Jared Cook for one year. They they let Hunter Henry leave in free agency to go to New England. You know, Donald Parham's there. But Trey McKitty, they invested a pretty decent pick in him. 
you know, in the third round. And he's a guy who I always thought had a lot of skill when I watched him, but never put it all together, right? He started at Florida State, then he transferred. But to me, 6'4", 246, I like the size. I think he's got above average frame. I think he uses that size and frame well at the catch point to create some separation for him to make the catch. I like his ability to adjust and high point the football. I think he's got above average ball skills and hands. I like the short area quickness and the good overall athleticism and this yak ability and the speed, the ability to attack the seam. He doesn't have a lot of production and he's got route refinement to do and route development to do and show the ability to get separation quickness out of his breaks. But there's still the thing that intrigues me the most about him is it's a wide open depth chart there in, in uh, Los Angeles. And I think these a lot of there's a lot of untapped potential. I like the Justin Herbert pairing. I think Justin Herbert's the kind of guy that in practice it will really spread it out amongst everybody to keep them happy. But I think in, in terms of a tight end, I'm okay with that. If he's getting opportunities near the red zone, that means he's probably and he produces. He's probably going to work his way up and and get a chance to have a bigger role at some point down the line as well. So that's the tight ends that intrigue me the most in terms of undervalued or sleepers, Kylan Granson of Indianapolis, Jacob Harris of the Los Angeles Rams, and Trey McKinney of the Los Angeles Chargers. If we now pivot this over to the wide receiver position, a couple wide receivers I want to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is a guy who I've been grabbing wherever I can in my rookie drafts that have already taken place. And that is Cornell Powell out of Clemson. He goes on day three to the Chiefs. Now, mind you, the Chiefs have lost Sammy Watkins. Mecole Harmon is an unknown at this part. Demarcus Robinson, you know, is who he is. Obviously, they got Tyreek Kill and Travis Kelsey that the offense runs through them. But I really think Powell is a guy who he's a really good route runner who had to wait his turn at Clemson. And then when he had an opportunity to play, he really played well for himself. And he, and he looked pretty – he looked like a guy who, again, another guy who might have a much better colli- uh, NFL career than collegiate career in terms of production and stats. But, but not a lot about Powell that you strongly dislike. It's just that we just haven't seen a lot of him. But he's a guy who I really thought could have went on – late round three or early round four because he's got above average size and frame. He's got above average to above average athleticism and long speed. He's got fluid movement skills. You see that, you know, uh, when you watch him play, he's got very good body control. He shows the ability to adjust and high point the football. To me, he's a complimentary wide receiver with the upside to be a top three, four. You put him in that chiefs offense. And yeah, they have guys like Brian Pringle and, you know, and and Demarcus Robinson and, and and other guys that are there, but if 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 Powell is the guy who gets a real opportunity, I think he could surprise a lot of these guys. So Powell is the guy I'm very intrigued with. The pairing with the Chiefs' offense, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Powell is the guy that I get to round four, round five, and he's still there. I want it to be autopilot that he's basically the pick because I do think he is very intriguing. And he's a guy that, yeah, he's got some development to do, but a lot of these wide receivers do. We're going to see that all over the place. Next guy I want to talk about, another wide receiver, is Amir Smith-Marset out of Iowa. This was a guy who I was really intrigued with 
in the pre-draft months. I just didn't know it, what the NFL was going to make of this guy. And at six foot one, 181 pounds, he's got a thin frame. The, the size in terms of six one is fine, but he's quicker than fast, but he's got good overall athleticism. I, I would say his speed is probably above average to good. Same thing with the explosiveness and the quickness and the yak ability. You know, he's only an average route runner, but he shows good separation quickness, you know, with the desire to continue to improve, I think. I like his versatility as an offensive weapon. He can be used as a receiver, a returner, on manufactured touches. So I think the writing us is on the wall at some point within the next year or two that the Vikings are either going to let uh, Adam Thielen leave, they're going to look to trade him. And I think Amir Smith-Marset could be the heir apparent inside the slot there. So I'm intrigued by Smith Marset. He was a guy that I know when I went on the Fantasy Joe's podcast months and months ago before the combine and everything. I legitimately thought he could surprise people and be a late round three or early round four guy. Now he falls to later and by the time draft night rolled around, I figured it would be borderline whether or not he'd be drafted. So I'm glad he's there. The ability to be the second guy there after Justin Jefferson and maybe not the clear number two, but you know what I mean? Like Justin Jefferson's going to draw a lot of attention and he showed last year he can be an outside receiver. I think that opens things up in underneath and a guy like Amir Smith, Mart said, if he gets an opportunity, I think could really be a weapon in that, uh, in that Vikings offense. Next guy I want to talk about is Frank Darby out of Atlanta. I think this, you know, really doesn't warrant much conversation anymore now that Julio Jones has been uh, traded. But I think Frank Darby is a guy that I would have had interest in even if that trade didn't happen. And now my level of interest has increased even more. You know, Frank Darby is a guy that some people really liked, you know, at his time at Arizona State. I was was lukewarm on him. There were things that I liked about his game. Uh, I just thought he wasn't a complete player. But, but he's a guy that's got a lot of talent. When you, when you watch him play, there are certain things that he does that I, that I, I walked away being very impressed with, uh, you know, in terms of that. And I think some of this stuff can actually translate to the next level, which I think, you know, is something that's interesting. You know, when you look at Darby, he's only six feet, 201. He seemed like he played bigger at college. So I would say that's probably average size and frame. I would say average to above average overall athleticism for him, separation, quickness, speed. But to me, he's got good body control, good ability to adjust to the football and midair. He's got ball skills. He's got play strength. He's got toughness. He's got physicality at the catch point and good hand usage. To me, I always thought he could develop into a number three or number four wide receiver. And now with this Julio trade, I really think there's an opening there for him. And I don't feel like a lot of sites have really accounted for the fact that he went from being a bit player to, you know, potentially now earning more of an opportunity in that Atlanta pass offense. So, like I said, there's things about Darby's game that concern me, body catches, inconsistent hands, got some drop issues, route refinement, but there's also the things that intrigue me about him, average size and frame, the ball skills at the catch point, play strength, physicality, all that stuff uh, are stuff that I think he could even improve upon, but he already showed uh, that he was skilled in those areas. So he intrigues me a little bit there. Next guy up is Shai Smith, who ended up in Carolina. 
The reason why Shai Smith intrigues me is I thought he reminded me a lot of Emmanuel Sanders. And when you look at that Carolina Panthers depth chart, is Robbie Anderson there for the long haul? Is DJ Moore there for the long haul? They just got Curtis Samuel and they let him go. So if they, if he was, you know, so there's a little bit of an opportunity here. If Robbie Anderson was to move on after this year, they would have DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel's gone. You know, are they going to want to continue to feed Christian McCaffrey that, that exorbitant amount of workload? I don't know. But all I do know is Scheisman is a very good athlete, good movement skills, very good agility, footwork is clean, the change of direction skills is, is is very easy to spot. I think he's one of the better route runners in this draft class. He shows good separation quickness. I think he's a I think he has this skill set to be a starting slot wide receiver at the NFL level. He lacks size, he lacks frame, he doesn't have the length. I get all that. But if they want to exclusively go DJ Moore on the outside and Robbie Anderson, I think it opens up the possibility for a guy like Shai Smith to develop into a slot receiver. And then if they were to move on from Robbie Anderson in a year or so, I think Shai Smith is a guy who could be a under-the-radar piece that makes some noise there, especially if he's playing inside the slot on a regular basis. So I'm intrigued by that. And the last guy I really want to bring up is Marquez Stevenson out of Buffalo. Marquez Stevenson, you know, went in the sixth round while Anthony Schwartz went in the third round. There is not a three round gap between those players. Marquez Stevenson is five foot 10, 182 pounds. Anthony Schwartz was six feet, 186. Very similar in terms of their body types and, and, and very similar in terms of how they win. You look at a guy like Marquez Stevenson. Yeah, he's undersized. He's got a great level of athleticism. He's got explosiveness. He's got long speed. He can win vertically. You can use him on manufactured touches. I see very good to great acceleration, burst and movement skills off of the line of scrimmage. I see suddenness. There's a lot to like about him. I thought he could be an easily top four wide receiver. And what really intrigues me about him is the pairing with Josh Allen. Josh Allen has one of the best arms in the NFL. It's in the easily in the top three to five, I think. And you look at a guy like he really brought the best out of John Brown there. And John Brown is left now. And yes, they have Stefan Diggs and, you know, and they have other guys in place, right? Cole Beasley in the slot, Gabriel Davis. But Marcus Stevenson is a flat out burner. There could be a place for him to develop. And then if he gets an opportunity to be a number three, number four wide receiver, I think he's got the athletic traits to really maybe surprise people. So Stevenson is a guy I really have on my radar as a guy. I want to hear camp reports about him. I want to see, does he get an opportunity to get on the field this year as maybe their fourth wide receiver? And and he's a guy who could really take the top off of defenses. So Stevenson is a guy that I am definitely intrigued with as a undervalued or sleeper type rookie wide receiver who's going to go well, well late in any of your rookie drafts if he even goes at all. So there it is, guys. Five wide receivers I talked about. Cornell Powell, Amir Smith-Marset, Frank Darby, Shai Smith, Marquez Stevenson, three tight ends, Kylan Granson, Jacob Harris, and Trey McKitty, and three running backs, Khalil Herbert, Larry Roundtree, and Chris Evans. I would say those 11 guys are in my eyes being a little bit undervalued that they'd be guys that would intrigue me for the most part. All of them are day three guys, except Trey McKitty. But those guys 
who look to seem like most people have no interest or use for, I think they could have some use uh, and a role potentially. I, I see a way that a role can develop there that makes me intrigued with these guys. And I think some guys, some players, it's very hard to see that. And maybe they get a fluke opportunity. But I think other times, if you really examine what's on the depth chart in terms of how it fits with the the rest of the team – Sometimes you can find some diamonds in the rough. Like Darius Slayton was the guy who I really thought fit the Giants well a couple of years ago because they were lacking that true vertical outside presence. And then he materialized during his rookie year. And he was a, a late day free guy or, or mid day free guy in like round five or early round six. So I think sometimes it's some guys that can come out of this range and be really intriguing. So these were the the three running backs, three tight ends, and five wide receivers that I most found interesting. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. I I, I want I didn't want to leave these guys out because I feel like we always talk about the top guys. They're the guys in rookie drafts. They're the guys we're talking about a lot in rookie rankings. And then we had that you know we have that. UDFA portion where we talked about those guys last time who are extreme long shots, but then you got the guys on day three that get lost in the shuffle, but some of them do end up in ideal landing spots that I think there's a scenario uh, where things could break right. And they could get an opportunity to be that day three, that mid to late day three rookie pick and they materialize into a player. So these are the guys that intrigue me the most. I know in some deep, dynasty leagues i mean i'll probably aim to get some of these guys on my squad and just put them over on the taxi squad i know i already have a couple uh shares of cornell powell he really intrigues me uh but there's a bunch of guys here that i talked about tonight that would really make up that group of guys who you know who could make a be a surprise fantasy impact at some point down the line i think it's the best way to put it obviously it's not likely It's more likely than the UDFAs, but it's still pretty unlikely for these guys to warrant a lot of value uh, in terms of fantasy, but maybe that value can materialize a little bit down the line. So hopefully you enjoyed this show, guys. I know I enjoyed talking about these guys and and some, and I could have went other guys. There were guys like Daz Newsome I could have brought up, another wide receiver, but I know he suffered an injury you know, he's going to be out a while, but he definitely could have been a guy that I think people are not valuing appropriately. There was other guys uh, for sure that I could have added to this list. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you're enjoying what we always put out on Twitter when we're talking about prospects, please get over to the website. SS Football is the easiest and quickest way to get there. Uh, it is still not too late to buy the last year's version of the premium notebooks, which consists of the 2021 scouting notebook, the the rankings notebook, which has all our rankings continuing to be updated uh, throughout the summer. It had the draft projections notebook, which it had notes on almost four or 500 players as well. So it's still a good value. Our dynasty rookie rankings are in there. Our IDP rookie rankings are in there. Debbie rankings are in there. So there's still value to it. Obviously the new set of notebooks will come out around Labor Day, the kickoff of the, the next college football season. Uh, but like I said, we're still, 
we're still recapping the draft because there's always so much to talk about and we want to cover from every angle before we really turn the page uh that so please get over to the website check out what we offer please get over to youtube the saturday sunday football youtube channel matt has really been working hard on a lot of videos there so if, if you enjoy the content we're doing and, and you kind of miss mapping more consistently on the podcast get over to youtube he's made a whole bunch of videos his last one was michael parsons uh, he's done some defensive guys. He's done a bunch of offensive guys. It's a great way to, uh, you know, see some film and what Matt's looking for in his evaluation and how he sees it and talks through it. I cannot recommend them enough to so get over to there, subscribe to the YouTube pay, uh, channel, make sure you go to the website, check out what we offer there. And then also, you know, feel free to interact with us. We love communicating with the people in uh, you know, especially fans of ours who listen to the podcast. We love making time to talk to you, answer your questions on Twitter and stuff. Uh, and again, if you can't check out the premium notebooks, please, wherever you listen to your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. That does greatly help us as well. So there it is, guys. Like I said, we're going to continue to recap Next week, hopefully, have uh, start having some guests on over the next couple of weeks, and we might go, you know, two two podcasts a week and have a bunch of guests if possible to kind of close out shop on the 2021 rookies before we start to kind of turn the page to some other things uh, in the heart of summer. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.